0: Ahoy, HomePod. Play podcast upgrade.
1: Now playing podcast upgrade. From Relay FM, this is Upgrade, episode 180. Today's show is brought to you by Squarespace, Casper, and FreshBooks. My name is Mike Hurley. I am joined by Mr. Jason Snell. Hello, Jason Snell. Hello, Mike Hurley. How are you? I'm very good. We have a. Largely music device focused show today as we're going to be discussing our thoughts and impressions of using the home part. Um So I figured that our hashtag snow talk question, which comes from Connor this week, could be music themed. Connor wants to know, Jason,
0: do you use any EQ settings when you listen to music? Is this some kind of setup? <laughs> this is the kind of question that I have no good answer to because... Um, people have, as we're going to find out as we get to the HomePod, people have opinions Mm -hmm. about how properly to listen to music, Mm -hmm. some people. Uh, So, okay, in truth, I use EQ settings on some devices where I feel like it is necessary. It sort of varies by device because the devices vary. Um, I looked on iTunes on my Mac, and I do have the Rock EQ set that happened a long time ago, but <laughs> that is for the iPod Hi-Fi mm. uh, because it didn't sound good enough. So I did. I, I used an EQ preset there, and, and that is most of the stuff I listen to sounds better with that. Um, on most other things, I don't. So you use it when it feels like the device could could do a bit of a helping hand? It, yeah, when the, when the thing I'm listening to doesn't sound right to me mm-hmm. in some way, I will... I, it needs to be at that level of a threshold where I, I, I finally decide, oh boy, I, I, I need to I need to change this. This doesn't sound good, but uh, that that really happens. Thank you to Connor
1: for asking the question. If you would like to submit a question to open the show, just send a tweet with a hashtag SnellTalk and it may be picked out for a future episode. Now we do have some follow up today, Jason. Uh, first of which is the iOS 11 battery. Information is now appearing in uh, the beta of iOS 11.3, and Apple have updated a support document which was talking about the battery and CPU throttling stuff. So I'll give you a little bit of details. So there's some new screens. There will be some new screens inside of the Settings app in the Battery section, and it's called Battery Health Beta. And you tap that, and it takes you through to another page. And if you have an iPhone 6 or later, this is where you'll be able to see if your phone is being performance-managed, which is the term that Apple give to what everybody else is calling throttling, right? Well, it's the first
0: managed. step before you um, fire your battery. Yes. You put it on a performance-management plan, and then if it still doesn't perform, then it's time for it to find oh, other Oh, boy.
1: Employees. Manager humor. We've both been in those yeah. situations. Uh, so <laughs> this, this uh, performance-management screen, like if your phone is being performance-managed, it will only appear with any options or any information... After the first unexpected shutdown has occurred, after iOS 11.3 has been installed. So none of this information, like about performance management, or none of the options will even appear until there's been a problem. And then it tells you, you have these options because your phone has experienced an unexpected shutdown. So the option to turn it off... Um, is kind of not what you would expect, which is, is this is very telling to me. The option to mm-hmm. turn off the performance management, so therefore your phone may shut down and and the it, you won't be throttled, it is not a button, nor a switch. There is a paragraph of text that explains that your phone has had a shutdown and that performance management has now been applied to it. The last word of this paragraph is the word disable, colored in blue. When you tap that, it will disable it. So they are Apple doing everything they possibly can to try and dissuade you from doing it, which I think they're perfectly well within their rights to do that if they believe it. The option is there, but to find the option, you have to be looking for it. And really, you probably have to read that text first, which is good because that is a way of informing people, which kind of we were all hoping they would do in the first place. Um, If the battery health has seriously degraded on your uh, phone, because you'll also get battery health information here, if you have or have not got the performance management option, in the battery health section, you will see like a percentage of your battery health. Um, And if your battery health has seriously degraded, another warning will pop up to recommend that uh, you get your battery replaced. Um, You can also see what your battery's maximum capacity is here, uh, so you're able to check what the health of your battery is like. So they're the options. Um, I would still hope to see that Apple would do something to actively bring you to this screen, like a notification at some point. Uh, But I think that this is this is a step in the right direction um, from them. But the the yeah. I, I take a look. I, I recommend looking through the support document just to look at the screenshots because they are quite interesting.
0: Yeah, and this is fitting with you know what they've been saying. Part of the thing that they have to do is this. This is is matching their their statements on this, mm-hmm. which is this is complicated, and here's what goes on, and here's why it's there. And I, I think what's interesting about it is you can kind of see. I mean, it depends on how on how you view this, but. You can see now, like, when people say, well, why does Apple not let me do X? Why does Apple put that in the black box and take care of that for me? And then I don't ever see it. Well, here now we've got an example. This is rare, where Apple has, for various reasons, decided, been dragged into (laughs) um, pulling this out of the black box. And what you get is something that is kind of complicated. So you can see on one level why somebody at Apple would look at the the whole thing around battery performance and battery health and say, wow, if we put a UI on it, what is that even going to look like? And it's going to be like complicated and it's not going to be easy and have somebody say, oh, well, let's not do it then. Let's just not give anybody any choice. We're just going to just do it in the background. It's going to seem magical, Um, which I can see both sides of that, right? Like I understand the drive for simplicity, um, but it does lead you into places like where apple ended up with the battery issue where everybody was um accusing them of doing all sorts of things some of which they were doing and some of which they weren't doing so it's just a fascinating little little lab of uh of user experience when when you see a a design like this one
1: yeah it's like Maybe this is the way that they maybe discussed about it initially and decided not to do it because they felt the only way to do this was to put this text there. So, like, you know, just Apple being Apple, like, no, we don't want to have a confusing setting, so we'll just we'll take care of it for people. But in this case, it came to bite them because, I mean, I think a lot of people are in agreement, and I'm also in agreement about this, that a little bit more upfront uh, would have been better. And I think that that's, that's proven to be the case. Um, I, I saw you tweet an article from Venture Beat uh in the past couple of days about tablet sales which was Mm -hmm. interesting to me just to compare this uh to our discussion on apple's earnings last week and just kind of the overall tablet market so it is this is from the idc research group and they are stating that the tablet market as a whole has declined 7.9 percent year on year in q4 which is the 13th straight quarter decline So year-over-year quarter just keeps going down for 13 quarters in a row. Amazon is now the second-place tablet seller, overtaking Samsung, and they estimate that they sold 7.7 million tablets in Q4. So again, for comparison, it's just interesting to compare this against what's happening with the iPad, because the iPad sold basically close to double what uh, the second place did. Amazon. So Apple sold 13.2 million to Amazon 7.7 and saw a year-over-year increase. So Apple is bucking the trend. They are going against what the market is doing.
0: Right, we talk about this a lot in the context of the Mac, where you know PC sales are down and the Mac sales are flat to up from time to time, mm-hmm. and uh, that that is you know you're you grow market share in a shrinking market by not declining. Um, but we don't talk about it so much about the tablet market, and that was what struck me about this is according to IDC, the tablet market has declined thirteen straight quarters. <laughs> And we know like the iPad has declined, de- declined for many, many for like straight 11, quarters, right? Like, they, yeah, you know, they, but it in was the in last line. three, it has, it has sort of turned it around. And this is, this is more impressive when you see what the overall tablet market is and how, uh, huge the iPad is in the, in the tablet market that, uh, it's number one by twice and that's over Amazon, which is selling a very different kind of product, right? Because I imagine a lot of the tablets Amazon is selling are their, you know, sixty dollar, ninety dollar tablets, which Apple's not even attempting to sell something like that. So the tablet market is is uh, is rough, and if you imagine it without the iPad, it's it's rougher. Alright, let's do
1: upstream. So we have some media news for you. Uh, Viacom has acquired VidCon. VidCon is the uh, YouTube and online video creator conference. Um, You may have remembered hearing me talk about PodCon. Well, VidCon and PodCon, they were run by the same company and uh, were kind of intertwined, right? It's a similar idea. So... Podcom was the VidCon for podcasts. Um, there are no details on the terms of the deal, uh, of, of like how much money was paid or if it was stock or whatever the situation was. Um, Hank Green, who created VidCon, um, he had stepped away from running the company, um, I think maybe like six months ago. Uh, and Jim Lauderback was the CEO, and he is remaining the CEO. Um, apparently Viacom have said, and, Vid- and like the VidCon team have said, and so did Hank in a video that he posted, which I'll put in the show notes, that uh, VidCon will be running independently as a, as a part of Viacom. And they wanted to do it because they wanted uh, support and assistance, both financially and in expansion. Quite interestingly for me, uh, PodCon is not a part of this deal, and the PodCon team, including uh, Hank Green, have confirmed that they are currently attempting to run uh, another PodCon within the next twelve months. I found that interesting. So it's like a separate. It, it was not. It was kind of like it was a part of the same company, but they obviously set it up differently. And whilst it was the same people running it, it's not going to be, and it isn't a part of Viacom now. It's a big deal. Because who knows what VidCon's going to look like going into the future now, as it's becoming part of a big media machine, as opposed to being run by independent creators.
0: Yeah, I'm fascinated by this story mostly because I, you know, unlike you and Gray and other, uh, you know, uh, YouTube-oriented people, um, I don't really care so much about VidCon. I am fascinated by the fact that Viacom bought it, like a that an entertainment conglomerate got this thing that is a fan event about. Um, and, and a creator event, too, about uh, YouTube, basically. That is fascinating on a few levels. It's interesting the PodCon is not included in that. And then, uh, and yeah. Yeah, I actually know Jim Louderback at least tangentially. I figured you did. I figured you would have crossed paths at some point. He, he used to work as Ziv Davis and was involved in the early days of um, tech TV when it was ZDTV. And uh, so I, I crossed paths with him. One of my old bosses worked for him huh. for several years. So. It's kind of funny to see that that's what he's doing now. But anyway, it is yeah, also funny yeah, if, you, if, if
1: there's something in your mind where you're like, why do I know Viacom and YouTube in the same sentence? Well, because many years ago, maybe like 2006 or something, I think before Google acquired YouTube and YouTube was being dragged through the courts, they were being dragged through the courts by Viacom, like for copyright stuff. That's so, like, it's very interesting to watch this kind of all start to turn around there, where Viacom want this as part of their business, like this the YouTube creators. It's just a just a funny turn of events. Um, showrunners Brian Fuller and Hart Hansen have exited Apple's Amazing Stories anthology.
0: What is going yeah. on here? So, this is really interesting. So, Brian Fuller, I made a joke on Twitter about this, because this is the third TV show that Brian Fuller has bailed on or... I think what Variety always called it was ankled, which I don't even know what that means, but it makes me laugh. Um, The. Three shows like he he bailed out of American Gods, he bailed out of Star Trek Discovery, and he has now bailed out of Amazing Stories as well. So I think Brian Fuller, even if he had really good reasons for all three of those, um, that is fascinating in terms of like getting a reputation, maybe as somebody who can't finish what he what he starts. But the backstory here is really interesting in that it sounds like Brian Fuller was developing a an Amazing Stories relaunch. Um, before Apple got involved, before Steven Spielberg got re engaged in it. And he was really viewing it as a brand that he could use to do Black Mirror, basically, to do his take on an anthology series, a sort of sci fi fantasy anthology series in the vein of Black Mirror, which is a, you know, fairly uh, adult themed TV series that's on Netflix now. So, um, then Apple gets involved and is going to write a bigger check and, and, and Spielberg is going to get involved at some level with it. And it sounds like, uh, one, it sounds like Apple's desire to have this be something that they could show on a, uh, on a screen at an Apple store. In other words, not TVMA like uh, adult material like Black Mirror is. Something you can't watch and on an or, airplane. You know,
1: depressing and anti-technology, as Black Mirror could, can sometimes be. It,
0: it could be. It's unclear on whether the themes and the, the kind of like darkness of it or whether it's the adult themes of it were, were about that. But it sounds like, like what Apple, who had written the check, wanted from it was not really what Brian Filler wanted to do with it. And so he bailed out of it. And I, I think it makes more sense in that scenario, right, where he wasn't building it for Apple. Like he was not brought in as part of the deal to do this show, which is sort of how they put it out there. He had been developing it. And so he was already attached. But regardless, you know, he left. And then when he left, they announced, well, Hart Hansen, who is a, a very talented writer on his own, um, he's still there. And then he, he also bailed out. On it, so they are seeking a showrunner now, which means that this thing has basically been pushed back again uh, to zero. Right? They got to reset, reset the whole thing, and yeah, find somebody it, else it's to run in the this water thing for the moment. Right? Like it's just laying yeah.
1: there. They need to. Well, the deal.
0: Pick it up. The deal is made, but they have to hire somebody new. Yeah. So creatively, I mean, who knows if they've got scripts and if any of those scripts are going to be deemed acceptable by Apple and Steven Spielberg and everybody else involved in this. But, uh, but so that 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 one announcement. This is going to happen. It's like everything else now that Apple's in this business, stuff like this happens in this business. But I do wonder if it tells us something about Apple and the relationship it's got with some creators in terms of what kind of content it wants on its service and whether that's going to rub some of these creators the wrong way. But I think most of the creators who've signed with Apple have done so knowing who they're getting into business with. And in this case, it sounds like Brian Fuller kind of came with Amazing Stories and he didn't, you know, enter into that knowing what he was going to get in terms of Apple launching it.
1: Uh, YouTube have taken a page out of Amazon's book and they have updated their Apple TV app to look like their smart TV app and their Android TV app. Um, The new YouTube app on the Apple TV basically follows no apple tv design conventions um it doesn't have a standard media player it doesn't have standard controls it doesn't do any of the um what is it called showcase or show something or that that like specific like way they do the uh when you're on the menu and you get things up at the top right when right. you're on the basic home menu i can't remember the names of these terms and the focus stuff and all of that none of all of that has been completely ripped out um of the apple tv app uh i will say as a frequent user of the YouTube app, whilst it is now clunky in places, and it's not great to scrub through that kind of stuff, like scrubbing through the video feeds now is a bit of a mess, this app looks a billion times better than what YouTube had made. Like, YouTube made what I affect, assume is the most standard UI kit version of what an app could be. It was just black with thumbnails and headers. Like right, it was really generic the worst. And like, if you wanted to try and like, sometimes if you wanted to reload what was on a page, you'd have to like go to different tabs or force quit things. It was a bit of a mess. So my feeling is whilst this might not be perfect, if it means that there's actually going to be some features and development going on in the app, then great. And for example, there is a great one where uh, you can now link your phone to the Apple TV app. So you can be on your iPhone and like, almost like Chromecast, send a video to your TV so that's a feature that you can get now that YouTube had decided to bring this in line with their other uh, applications. I just think that like this is a sign to me that the Apple TV is not going as as Apple maybe would have expected it to go um, for whatever reason. Either the SDK isn't good enough or there isn't just isn't enough buy-in. I don't know what it is. But even developers that tried to do it Apple's way have moved away from that.
0: Well, I I don't know. I feel like this is a trend among everybody who's got multi platform experiences, which is they wanted they wanted to look the same. This is this is the classic argument. This is the same thing. I had a I had an hour long loud discussion at XOXO with a Google employee about a thing I wrote about how I was bugged by the fact that Google's iOS apps use Android conventions. And, of course, his argument was, well, no, those are Google conventions. And this is this is the question, is when you're using a platform, do you want everything on the platform to feel like the platform? Or is the platform the app you're using, right? So it, which is more important, to have every Apple TV app feel like Apple TV or to have every Netflix or Amazon Prime or YouTube experience to feel the same no matter what device you're looking at? And I can see both sides of it. From a traditional computing especially Mac perspective, right? There was nothing more offensive than having Microsoft roll into Mac OS with Windows UI conventions and say basically, well, no, this is is Word. Now, the good news is if you use Word on Windows and then go to the Mac, it'll feel familiar. And all the Mac users are like, I don't do that the argument with mobile devices and and home boxes and stuff is totally different because we do use multiple devices on multiple platforms. So I can understand that argument that the YouTube that you see and with with Google, you know, because they've got so many web interfaces, they have to build their own interface on the web anyway. There's no like platform specific really way to do that. So they've got to build it one way for the web and they want the design language to reflect on their apps. I get it. And that includes the, the iOS app and it includes the Apple TV app. So that seems to be really what's going on here is that there are a lot of of uh, of multi-device like big platforms, multi-device, and they want their experience to be the same on or, or at least similar on all those platforms. And this is this is just like the Amazon app and the Netflix app looking the same across platforms. It's it's uh it's it's almost like YouTube like did the minimum like you said required to get it on. Mm-hmm. Apple TV, and now they've got their real version. And the real version doesn't look like the Apple TV because that was just because they were not making an effort to make it look like YouTube. And now they are.
1: Annoyingly, the new YouTube app shows you if a video is in 4K, but you can't play it in 4K because nobody, neither Apple or Google, have moved on the codec problem. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're you know, using their, uh, their codec for 4K video, and Apple doesn't support it. And they won't reencode in out in a codec supported by Apple, and Apple won't you won't support their codec, and we're left with this thing where you just don't get to see those videos in 4K, which is really dumb.
1: Really, it's really annoying, and I stand by my personal position on this: is that Apple should support YouTube in this in this instance. I think Apple should move to YouTube rather than YouTube move to Apple because I think it's more important that Apple support YouTube than YouTube support the Apple TV. That's my opinion on it, anyway. Mm-hmm. All right, and lastly, uh, Apple has added some live TV news options to the TV app on Apple TV and I think on iOS as well. Uh, this is currently U.S. only, and there is support for CBS, CNN, Fox, Cheddar, CNBC, and Bloomberg. So if you see a live stream in the TV app of live news, uh, you tap it. It will open the application for that news uh, company and start playing the video for you, or it will take you to the App Store to download the relevant um the relevant application needed to watch the live TV stream.
0: It's, I'm not sure this makes the TV app any more usable, but I think this is Apple's, this is like a long game for Apple. Like they just want to keep adding things to the TV app because their, their goal ultimately is to have that be the place everybody goes for everything.
1: I don't like the TV app on my Apple TV. I I, I I don't feel any benefit over just the videos and movies and iTunes applications. Like I, I don't really know what it's giving me, personally. It doesn't really do yep. anything for me. Um, I agree. I would actually like the simplicity back of just how it was before, but such is life. Okay, today's show is brought to you by our friends over at casper they're the company focused on sleep dedicated to making you exceptionally comfortable one night at a time casper are inviting you to take advantage in an awesome limited time president's day offer for the first time ever casper (laughs) has three mattress lines to choose from all at a competitive price they have the original casper the innovative wave mattress and the streamlined essential mattress Casper isn't just a mattress company, though. They offer sheets and pillows and bed frames and dog beds, so everyone in the family can sleep comfier than ever before. You can sleep in superior comfort for the rest of 2018 and beyond with the help of the internet's favorite mattress brand. And you can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100-night risk-free sleep on it trial and returns are hassle-free if you're not completely satisfied. Jason Snell, can you tell me something that you love about your Casper mattress?
0: Um, sure. It used to be that when I sat on the bed, uh, the cat would be ejected out the other side of the bed. (laughs) (laughs) The old mattress was a little trampoline like, like, Uh like somebody sits on the bed. The other person is, is jostled or if one is a cat ejected from the bed and, uh, the Casper mattress doesn't do that. It's, it's much more, um, isolating in terms of uh you know you just it you just lay down on it and it's it's solid and you don't bug the 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 other person or or animal who's on the bed and uh, then it's comfortable to sleep on so you know what else what else can i say about it it's uh it's presidents day or not it's a yep. it's a, a nice mattress to sleep on but there is this is a special offer we have here for a limited time mm-hmm. uh, if you go to
1: casper.com/savings that is casper.com slash savings. You can receive up to $200 off your purchase of $2,000 or more. This special offer expires on February the 20th, 2018. Go to casper.com slash terms for more details. Once more, that is casper.com slash savings to receive up to $200 off your purchase of $2,000 or more. But this offer ends on February the 20th, 2018. So check it out right now so you will not miss out. Our thanks to Casper for their support of this show. All right, Mr. Jason Snell. Yes, sir. Time to talk HomePods. We both had it over the weekend. Um, I think we have probably both picked us up on Friday, right? I, I yeah. I did. I guess you did too. So we've mm-hmm. been—I've uh, been putting it through its paces uh, over the last few days, and I figure we'll kind of go through this piece by piece. There's there's a lot to talk about with the hardware and the software of this product, uh, and I guess we'll start with where it begins. Packaging, very Apple, very nice, right? Like it all. I like the, the the plastic. You pull off the top, and it all just like slides down the sides. And you do the friction fit taking of the box off the top. It's all very all very Applely, and of course the something that people were mentioning a lot, like the fabric rub, uh, covered cable stuff like that. It's all very nice. Yeah, it's. Uh it's did, did you did it feel smaller than you thought it would be i mean i know i've watched a bunch of videos i've read a bunch of reviews everyone says it i know it's become like a meme but yeah it's it's it is smaller right? and heavier than i could have imagined it being It is is a yeah. hefty piece of equipment
0: yeah it's definitely dense it is smaller despite all of the other coverage of it it still feels smaller i don't know what i was thinking it would be whether i thought it would be like the 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 weird like jellyfish subwoofer that came with the uh with those uh Harman Kardon speakers back in the day, you know, yeah. a big tub, but it's not. It's it's bigger than the the Sonos 1, I guess, but not by much. It is a it is it is compact and uh I, that surprised me. And yeah, the 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 packaging is super simple. It's just, you know, I mean, there's there's almost nothing to it because there's there's like nothing there's nothing in the box, right? Mm-hmm. Other than the HomePod. The cable is already attached. Um there's no additional stuff that you don't get a lightning cable with it or anything like that so there's like the home pod is sitting in the box and then there's a little like piece of paper in the bottom that's like your getting started guide for the home pod and that's it it's super uh super simple did you go black or white well uh black which is of course space gray the color mm-hmm. of space being <laughs> gray apparently <laughs> that's what i did I, I saw some people who had the picture of the white ones and that looks nice and i just thought i don't need a white object that is going to get Visibly dirty very quickly exactly in my home, right? Right. plus because it's plus cloth. almost all the almost all the electronics I have are, are are black and almost all the you know it would fit better in my house being dark rather than being uh, white. I, I didn't really want it to stand out. I wanted it to just fit in, and so the black one was the the right one.
1: Yeah, I went I went with black because I if it's white plastic, right? You can you can do something about that. You can wipe it down. But my thought is like. If it gets dirty over time and it's white cloth, it's probably it's going to be really hard to clean it. Was my thinking. So I went with black, and it, but also in the same way for you, like black would meet the aesthetic of my front room more than white would. Like if it was white, it would super stick out. It it would really draw attention to itself in a way that black uh, doesn't. So yeah, it, it works yeah. pretty well. Um, the, I guess. Obviously, the biggest part of the hardware is the audio, but we're gonna talk about that in a moment. I want to talk about the microphones first. Oh yeah. Now, I I, I wanna I wanna like park the idea of uh, multiple devices and how they all interact with each other because I've I've got a whole big thing I want to talk about with that. But just from like a perspective of how well did the microphone hear you? when you were shouting the Ahoy telephone or Ahoy HomePod uh, command at it. Did you find that to be pretty reliable?
0: Yeah, I found it to be spectacularly reliable, even at high volume, which people have, who have been testing it out have reported, and I they, I feel the same way, which is even when it was loud, um, I could trigger it very easily. And um, it seemed to understand what I was saying. It Again... It's it, it didn't always do what I wanted, but it understood what I was saying. And even yeah. when it was noisy, it it knew that I was talking to it.
1: Yeah, I I felt like if I wasn't looking at it, it struggled a little bit more, right? Like if I was just shouting into the room, it sometimes wouldn't pick me up very well. Especially when, this is interesting, when I moved it, I moved it from its original location. And it seemed to take a little while to get settled, right? Which I know it's doing something with the way that it's yes. mapping out the room. But after I moved it, for a little while, it wasn't doing a great job of hearing me, which I thought was quite interesting because that kind of matches of what's going on. Um, so, But yeah, I found the microphone to do a pretty good job. I, I turned it up. Uh, I can't turn this thing up very loud. Uh, I live in an apartment building and I'm yeah. genuinely concerned because this thing is... it. It is loud. It's it's bassier than any other speaker that I own. Like I'm just uh-huh. concerned about it in general. If it's too bassy and too loud, I mean I will right. wait to see if I get any complaints. But Your like neighbors I, are going to be. Angry. I moved it because I wanted it next to my TV, but my TV is next to like a a neighboring wall. Right, like I have my neighbor on the other side. And I was kind of uncomfortable with that after listening to it for like an hour, so I moved it over to the other side of the the front room, so it's mm. basically facing towards the inside of my house. Because it is, right. it as far as speakers go, is a little bit more aggressive than normal, so it can get a bit loud. But you know, I found that to do a pretty good job of hearing me at, at basically all volumes, which I thought was pretty good. And but it is expected though; like I do expect that from it, um, and it met that. But in regards to the hardware, this thing doesn't have what I think every other device in its class
0: has, which is a mute button. How do you right. stop it from listening to you well there's two ways you can you can ask it to stop listening, and that totally works and then how do you get it to come back on again <laughs> <laughs> uh, you you tap and you tap and hold on the top like okay. you're pr- holding on the home button on an old iphone oh, right okay okay and it and it triggers the uh the, the voice recognition at that point. Mm-hmm. You can also permanently put it in that. Um, there's a setting in on your iPhone that you can do to check. you can There are a bunch of different settings. You may not realize that they're even there because they're so. not in the settings app. <laughs> Any guesses where they are? Any guesses where the HomePod settings are? Home? Yep, they're in the yeah, Home app. Okay. You, have, you have to go in the Home app and then you have to long press or 3D touch on the HomePod in the Home app and you get a screen with basically nothing on it which is really weird um it doesn't have controls or anything but it's got a button at the bottom for details and then behind that are what you would think of as the home pod settings now i think it's interesting Mm. that they chose to use their smart home interface for this there might be some reasons in terms of like by having it present a profile as a certain kind of smart home device they can just pick up the home uh interface and they don't have to write a special app and that's all that's all good they don't have to adjust the ios settings app or something like that so i can see why they did it although part of me thinks one of the reasons they did it is to encourage people to explore the home app um because yeah, i they think want i, more I people would to see that
1: to have it here than have an app called HomePod like i do watch Right, like I don't need yeah. another app on my iPhone. I
0: I agree. I I had the thought of like I'm a little surprised it isn't just in settings somewhere. Yeah, but where would it go because it's not a Bluetooth device? and That's where the AirPods. Honestly, I, I feel like you could
1: just throw in a new line. Right, Like, when you connect like, to HomePod, it, it automatically shows just up. Just the HomePod settings.
0: Yeah shows up. Yeah, I I thought about that. But they chose to go this way instead. So it's in the home app, and you click on or tap on details, and you get uh, a bunch of settings, including never listen to me Um, there, you know, the touch to touch to trigger is in there. Um, Then there's a bunch of other stuff in there that you can turn on and off. Um, But that's where you have to do it is inside the home app. And then the other the other thing while we're talking about this that I wanted to at least mention was, have you figured out how to remote control the home pod from your phone yes and that's unusual
1: too um and this is done from control center right there is an there is there's some weirdness going on there but i actually kind of like it
0: yeah the control center now so instead of like opening the music app and picking the home pod as a source or something like that that's not what you do that's what you do if you airplay to it What you do is you go to Control Center and Control Center shows you all of the AirPlayable devices that you're connected to, basically. So like your device, your iPhone, but also the HomePod and also any Apple TVs you've got. So if you tap in in the audio controls in Control Center and then select HomePod, you can then control um, play, pause, volume, uh, jumping around, next track, previous track from your phone, which... It's funny, like sometimes I want to do that. And I had that moment where I thought, can I not do that from this device? Do I always have to talk to it? And the answer is no, you you can, but it's through this um, through the, the control center UI. And something that I found that was a little bit quirky is I, I flipped to that one and changed the volume on the HomePod. And then I went about my business on my iPhone and played a video on Twitter and the HomePod stopped playing. Yeah, And I think it's because it's set as my airplay output, even though I'm not airplaying to. Something weird is going on there so where it's there trying to remote like, control that device. You kind of have to
1: switch between the panes again, like back into control yeah. center, because th- it does something that I actually kind of like where... If you switched in control center, so you kind of like whatever's in the middle, whatever's the expanded box is where the audio, what you're currently controlling. If you switch to the Home Pod, you can then go to the Apple Music app and control what's being played. But it's not, I don't think it's even air playing.
0: No, it's, it's just, just happening becoming the... the
1: interface. And I, I, think, it's, yeah, I think it's, I think I actually kind of like that, um, honestly.
0: I d- I don't like it because I don't like the idea that if I play, if I'm in that mode and I play a video on my phone, that the music stops, like that shouldn't happen. That that my, my, my iPhone audio should be separate. And maybe this is a software update involving AirPlay 2 kind of thing that happens later. But UI wise, like it seems like it's a lot of steps to be able to tell my HomePod to stop playing from my phone. And I get that I can talk to it. And that's the primary interface. But you know, Every now and then I am tired of talking to it and I just want to look on my phone and yeah see what, what I it's, I think it's a bunch of
1: steps what the iPhone wants you to do like again it's not idea what it wants you to do is to go switch back right so you pull down and now you're back on to controlling the iPhone's audio and then you can go about and do whatever you want and no matter whatever you do including setting up like playing a brand new song from Apple music the home bulb will just complete play, can like continue playing by the way yeah. i really love that they did that that if you play apple music on another device it doesn't pause the home pod i didn't think of that but when i heard somebody say that was the case i was like oh boy i could have seen that going the other way so easily right that it's like you get one instance because that's how it is everywhere else right if you're on your iphone and you want to play apple music on your ipad you can't play them both at the same time but you can with the home pod it plays on its own and i think that's kind of great i'm very happy about that
0: so what songs did you play first? What was your first choice? Uh, well, so one of the things that happens, and I don't know if you did this, but it's got a whole setup script. And yeah, so one yeah. of the things it does, and it actually, and it's, I don't know if you noticed this, but it's timed. So like once you set it up, if you, if you do the standard setup, it actually says, here are some things you can do. And it lists them and they appear on your phone as it's as it mentions them. It doesn't just bring them all up. It says, you could do this and it pops up or this and it pops up. Like they did some real work to sort of synchronize this setup huh. experience. Yeah, And then it says, why don't you try something like say, hey, HomePod, um, play some music. So that's the first thing I did. And at that point, what it's doing is it's picking a personalized item. It's basically, because you can do that anytime from your, it basically basically based on your it's knowledge of you from apple music it picks a song for and, and is i think basically starting a playlist of songs it's personal radio basically so that's what i did first and it played a who's song called could you be the one from the album warehouse songs and stories um and who's you may not know is uh uh Norwegian phrase that was turned into a board game in Minnesota where the band is from and it has umlauts Um, it has an umlaut over both of the the U's Uh, but of course uh, the lady in the HomePod decided to tell me what she was going to play and she said now playing Could You Be The One by Husker Dudioresis because apparently it got really confused about what What? umlauts are (laughs) okay <laughs> it was very so welcome to the there was like the good and bad it was like this is a song from a band i like that i like good job boy what you said there was really weird i immediately quit that
1: thing because i picked out my ah. song i knew what song i wanted to listen to so mm-hmm. as soon as it said oh playing i was like oh hey home pod stop because I I wanted to pick my song. There I want yeah. I had a specific song that I wanted to listen to first that I've uh-huh. been thinking about, and I didn't want it to start playing me something else. I wanted to pick a song of my own.
0: Ah. Uh. Well, my next one, again, I, I decided not to do the what will be the momentous first song, but all the discussion about like mono and stereo information and what it uses and if it tries to create something with, with a stereo sound field where there's sort of like a left and a right and and it sounds like, you know, basically no is the answer. But my go-to song for that is Norwegian Wood which by The Beatles, which pans the guitar to the right and the sitar to the left. And so I played that next and... Said to myself, "Yep, that's a mono speaker. Like it's all mixed together. There's no, Uh, there was no like spacing of the instruments. It's not trying to separate it because it's 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 doing its own separation. But it's separating not by not by sort of left and right, but trying to pull out the vocals to the front and have uh, have uh, accompaniment kind of to the back. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that was that was interesting. And then I played Super Bon Bon by um, Soul Coughing, which is uh, has a nice uh, rhythm section, nice bass." Um, to see how uh, how rattly the bass is on that. And then um, and then my fourth and my first sort of non-testing that I just wanted to hear a song was that new uh, song Get Out by Churches, because I like Churches, and they have a new song, and it's a good song. We share our what love of, for Churches. Yes, we do. What, what did you play first?
1: Uh, the Chain by Fleetwood Mac classic it's it's a song that i love i i love rumors it's like one of my favorite albums of all time because it's one of the very best but i wanted to pick the chain because it's a song that i like a lot and the bass is very heavy right like and it is you know there is like the drums is is i knew was gonna kick the bass off right so like i wanted to hear how that was gonna come through um and it has obviously the great guitar solo, right? Like I figured it was going to do an interesting job of putting the HomePod through its paces because there's a lot going on in that song. And it was excellent. Like it, I was pleased of my choice because it confirmed to me how good the thing sounds. And then, and then after that, I was just picking up random stuff like songs that I know well, you know, I went for some Beatles songs, some Beach Boys songs. Uh, I played some churches, I played some Alt-J, like I was just picking out random stuff, some Foo Fighters, like just trying to run the gamut of my musical tastes to see how it handled kind of everything independently. Um, What do you think on an overall basis of how the HomePod sounds, especially compared to some of the, because I know you own more kind of, professionally tuned audio devices than i do right like you have a HomePod, yeah. HiFi, uh, home ipod <laughs> hi-fi which again that was a, do. considered to be a serious piece of audio equipment right i know that you have 10 years ago yeah a sonos or some sonoses and i, I mean, do most, i have a sonos play one and a sonos play five there you go like yeah. the most i have is uh some new speakers that are attached to my record player and some uh amazon echoes right like i don't have an incredible amount of audio speaker technology at home to really compare it to. So what did you think about the HomePod? How did it handle and how does it handle stacked up against some of the other stuff that you own?
0: Well, I'm going to say up front that while I am a music listener and I listen to music a lot um, and I like music that sounds good, I am not an audiophile. No, you can take that as a positive or a negative.
1: I think that is better for this discussion that (laughs) neither of us concern ourselves to be this way.
0: If you're an audiophile, don't listen to us, right? Like, don't listen to, don't believe what we have to say because we're not coming coming from it from your perspective. And also, I'm not sure I entirely believe you. So let's just go our separate ways on that. There are some amazing posts. There's a couple of guys who are in the the audiophile Reddit, which I followed a link to and was horrified when I got in there because I have I, I just my beliefs and you can take them for what they're worth that a lot of audiophile stuff is all about justifying purchases and about uh the the, you know just people believing what they want to believe in a placebo effect and i i totally believe that there are actual things going on. I think there's also a lot that's not going on and it's in the head of the listener. But anyway, there are people who consider themselves audiophiles who are going to town on testing in detail everything that happens with the HomePod. And if you're somebody who cares about that stuff, you should go listen to those people because I'm not one of those people. I'm just a music listener. No.
1: I mean, I was even coming into this a little bit concerned about if I would be able to tell anything. Because like when I hear people talking about like mids and like you know what's the treble right it's like i i couldn't even tell i I don't know what separation of the symbols yeah like i can't hear it now like i can i feel like i can appreciate when something sounds really good and i could be like oh i like the sound of that but i struggle to be able to tell you why except for the fact that like this sounds different in a way that is appealing like that's the most i can kind of ever really tell you you know i I don't really have a lot more vernacular than that so yeah but i think that for the idea of this discussion i think it's better that we feel that way because honestly that's how the majority of people that will buy this thing or even consume music will feel like it's just like you know something you like sounds good or sounds bad the ability to describe it accurately i think
0: fails most of us Mm -hmm. and i think uh that disclaimer out of the way nobody will now probably hopefully write in and say, how dare you talk about things you're not qualified? Because mm-hmm. first off, everybody's qualified to talk about things that they experience and you don't need a certificate. And uh, But I am not coming from the perspective of an audiophile. So yes, um, the iPod Hi-Fi, let's get that out of the way. Stephen Hacker did a video um, that was funny where he had the iPod Hi-Fi and also the HomePod. Um, the iPod Hi-Fi is not even like... I listen to it every day, Mike. I listen to music on my iPod Hi-Fi attached to my Mac via iTunes every day. Mm-hmm. Every day. It sounds terrible. <laughs> okay. It sounds terrible. Did it, it sound is terrible not... at the time? Like No, no. In the category of these, these uh, iPod... Uh, speaker doc speakers at the time it was overpriced and over engineered and sounded probably better than what the market wanted. But compared to any of these other, like, like the JBL on stage it, and the Bose sound doc and Bose sound doc. Right. Yeah. So, so the, the truth is, and actually I was looking, one of the, one of the founders of Sonos was tweeting on Friday and he was talking about how he has opinions about, and he's retired. He's no longer at Sonos. Um, And he said very positive things about the HomePod and and said there are places where it falls down and places where it it does well. And as a first effort from Apple, he was very impressed with it. Um, But he also said, as somebody who was deeply involved in his entire career in trying to improve the quality of home audio, he said, these products are so much better than what used to be around. And Mm -hmm. I think that's true, that the HomePod and the Sonos Play 5 that I have and the Sonos play one that i have and i have the play one um the one without the um amazon echo integration but i do have one of those um they, are, they all sound really good and i think they all sound better than the ipod hi-fi let's just even though the ipod hi-fi has got it's, it's huge and has two speakers so for and it will do true stereo um they all sound better than it so first off like there, and, and the amazon echoes don't sound any good like I've got a couple Amazon Echoes. They, they, they sound in complete isolation where it's, you're in your kitchen and it's the only thing around and you tell it to play music. It plays the music and you're like, all right, there's music. But when you, when you put it up against these other speakers, it's not even like, it's not even close. It shouldn't even be, it's part of the conversation because they're a popular voice driven um, device. But in terms of audio quality, it's just not close. Now, do people care? I mean, people enjoy listening to music on their Amazon Echoes. I enjoy listening to music on my Amazon Echo, but um, so there are contexts where maybe you don't care so much. But isn't it nice that there are also these devices that have much better audio? And in the case of the HomePod, it's it's yeah. so small that um, it can go almost anywhere. That was my issue with the the Sonos Play Five is I wanted to put it in my living room, and it's huge. It's huge. It's bigger than the iPod Hi Fi. It's a, it's this huge block, rectangular block. It's wide and it's tall, and I couldn't find any place to put it. Plus, it's it's pretty directional. Which oh, wow, the HomePod this is isn't. Big.
1: I've never never I've never really paid too much attention to that. You know, I've never really looked into Sonos myself. But this is like a boombox. Like this is, this is not this is not a small piece of equipment.
0: Yeah, I don't know if it's actually volume-wise bigger than the iPod Hi-Fi. It's taller and it's almost as wide as the iPod Hi-Fi. It is a big block, uh-huh. and I couldn't fit it. In, and because it's also very directional, you know, I couldn't. There was no place to put it in my in my living room. None. Um, whereas the the HomePod will go. There are all sorts of places that I can put the HomePod in my living room because it's this little thing. that Looks like a like a, a a facial tissue dispenser or a, you know, it's a, or a ball of yarn. In fact, my wife being a knitter, she had a ball of uh she had a, a spool of yarn yeah. out on the counter. <laughs> and I said to her, you know, once you see a HomePod, everything looks like a HomePod, trash cans, balls of string. They all look like just the is that a little HomePod? Uh, is that a big HomePod? Uh, anyway. So, um, Compared to the Sonos 1, I think it sounds better than the Sonos 1. It's also more expensive than the Sonos 1. But it sounds, I think it sounds better. Although the Sonos 1 sounds pretty good. For a little speaker, it sounds pretty good. But I think the HomePod's better. Is the HomePod better than the, the Sonos Play 5? I thought I would say no. And my answer is, it depends. It actually, in some circumstances, I prefer how it sounds. It doesn't have stereo separation and all that. Um, because it's a mono speaker and it's just building its own sound field instead. But it sounds really good. And yes, in some ways, versus even a calibrated, for the room, Sonos Play 5, there are some cases where I preferred the HomePod and other cases where I preferred the Play 5. But that's an expensive, big speaker that should sound better, I think, than the HomePod. And it was close enough that I thought um, the HomePod acquitted itself pretty well. Um, and again, the size is a huge thing with the HomePod. So that's my that's my story. Is that it is definitely playing with the Sonoses of the world in terms of the uh, the, the good audio quality, um, the bass response. Uh, there's there's a lot of things about it that I that I really liked how it sounded. It is. And, and, you know, you've seen this and I was talking to Stephen Hackett about this, like it's processing the audio to build this sound field. And my experience back in San Jose was like this. And I've had a little bit of that this time, which is some, you know, every, every track you throw at it, it's going to do its magic. And sometimes it is great. And sometimes you, you go, well, is this, does this sound Right. And, you know, its algorithm is making judgments about what that audio is and how it should sound. And they've tuned it for a lot of different music. But um, I think because it's a single speaker trying to do a lot of clever things, you will run into tracks where it really sounds spectacular and other ones where it's kind of muddy. And I think that's just the name of the game when you're Mm -hmm. trying to process audio like this, that you don't have an engineer living inside it that's tweaking it, you know. They've had to program the software to do it, take its best shot. And for the most part, it's pretty impressive. Every now and then you have something where you're like, you know, essentially it's remixing it on the fly. And you can agree or disagree with some of the decisions it makes when it's remixing them. But generally, I think it sounds really good.
1: Yeah, I've mostly been really uh, impressed by I, I don't know if there's a term for it. But like the way I've been thinking it was like audio shaping, like the way it takes the song and what speakers it's sending it to and stuff like that. You know, I've, I've had instances where it sounded like the bass or the drums are further away from me and the vocals are closer to me. And when that works well, that is very impressive. Like if you're just sitting and listening, you're like, there's some like, it feels like there's some movement to this. I mean, I've experienced this in a very serious scenario in your home because you have 5.1 surround and some 5.1 surround songs, right? Like some albums where you can Mm -hmm. literally walk around the room and pick up different parts of the music louder or quieter, and right. whilst obviously the HomePod it does not have the ability to be that good. I did feel that like if I was getting closer to the HomePod, it felt like everything was more compressed. But the more like, you know, like it was all as you would expect, like it just sounds normal. But as I moved away, I was able to pick up some things differently. So the way that the the bass or mm-hmm. the drums sounded, and I was I was pretty impressed with that. Um, I thought and it's that that not directional
0: well. in that way. If you're off to the side. On a traditional forward-firing speaker, it's just sort of you're off to the side, and you Mm -hmm. lose a lot of it. And the HomePod does tries very hard not to do that, where you're supposed to be able to go. And I, you know, I've got a long, you know, you've been you've been in a long front room that is kitchen and dining room and living room all in one, and so it's very hard to do. If it's facing right at you, it's all the way across the room and that's not ideal. Um, and so this I put in the middle of the room against a wall and it did a pretty good job from any location, including the kitchen, in filling the room with, yeah. with music which was great. I was great. very
1: surprised at that too in, in mine and again you've you've been in my front room I don't have as long a room as you but it's like it's a kitchen it's a combined kitchen and, and front room area and no matter where I was you know I could have it at the other side of the room and it felt honestly like as loud as if I was next to it and and I found that to be quite impressive because I've never owned any uh, audio equipment that would come close to being able to do something like that you know if I was if I'm connecting to my echo and I'm on the other side of the room, I should just, have to just t- crank the thing up, right? Like, there, there isn't really an option. It's, it's not doing a good job of filling the room with sound. You just make it louder. But I didn't really feel like I had to make it louder just because I was further away from it. I found that to be quite impressive.
0: Yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, I mean, again, <laughs> I think in listening to this thing, it is clear that this is a product that has been designed over many years of research, apparently, to be... As good as sounding this is this is Apple the music company this is Apple the company that you know Steve Jobs would stand on stage and say music's in our DNA we love music right and the and the, uh, is, this is Apple don't think of Apple as a we they used to be a computer company and now they're like a platforms company with mobile devices of various kinds. think about that this is a product that's from that segment of Apple that you thought of more when they were the iPod company, which is they care about music and audio. Ironically, the iPod Hi-Fi came out of that, but it, it, it's that strain of the company that's in this product because this <laughs> is a product that is engineered so heavily to make music that Apple thinks sounds the best. And again, everybody's going to have an opinion about that, but I think it sounds pretty good. Um, I think you're right that one of the things that it's doing is uh, increasing the loudness and, uh, and showing off that it can get pretty good bass out of that little tiny, uh, uh, little, tiny woofer that it's got uh, pointing upward on the device on the inside. Um, to the point where I wonder about people like you <laughs> who are in places where a rattling bass is just going to get somebody pounding on the wall telling you yeah. to turn it down. I mean,
1: we haven't had any. I mean, I've
0: been playing music
1: significantly more than I normally would basically all weekend and nobody's complained but I will tell you we probably have the audio at about 10% like I actually think that the HomePod is is too loud in general um, mm-hmm. I, I think that what i honestly what i want is to cut the audio in half and be able to control it that way because the increments that i'm moving it up and down in the kind of the control center ui it's all down in the last kind of 10 to 15% and and so like mm. when i'm moving it i'm either making it i want to make a small adjustment but it's making a large adjustment you know like i cranked it for a quarter of a second and it nearly blew my brain off. Right? Like I
0: I had it at I had it at ninety percent, which is very funny because it says that will be very loud. Are you sure? And I said, Yep. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And he cranked it up and it was really loud. It was really loud.
1: I really don't just I just don't think people need it to go that loud. Like I would honestly just like to be able to have some kind of setting where I can have more fine control over lower like parts of the audio because at such small like you know I have it at like ten percent and it is listenable anywhere in my apartment right and I just figure that's that's probably too loud and and I'm assuming that like I'm not the only person who's gonna have one of these in an apartment and and I think that it might it might just be a bit too much, and I feel like honestly, the volume of this thing—it almost feels like a hubris thing, or it's just like, look how loud we can make this tiny speaker. Like nobody who need who needs that at a hundred percent. Like who's ever going to use that? I I don't get it. Like I don't really understand the the choices made for the volume of this thing.
0: Are they showing off? I think they are in part. I, I think, think very clearly, m- very clearly, many of the people who worked on this product uh, live in uh, single family homes. <laughs> but even then, <laughs> a single family home, a detached yeah. home, the home part
1: at 100%, you will be bothering uh, it's not, your
0: neighbors. It's not. I, ha- I have to say that I do occasionally take the Sonos 5 and I turn it up almost all the way while I'm sitting here working. And I imagine that people walking by on the street outside are like, what is happening in that garage? Um... But generally, yeah, yeah, no, you're right. I think I, I have a hard time imagining what scenarios would use uh, the HomePod at a hundred percent because if you were in even a large room, um, it would be like don't go near the center of the room. Yeah, right? <laughs> too-
1: yeah, you, you have to like
0: carve out an area, right,
1: where where no one can go because the
0: thing will blow your eardrums. Next Christmas, I'll just put a home pod on the roof and and put music on uh Christmas so. carols on it and crank it all the way, and the whole neighborhood will hear the Christmas carols. That's what I'll do so Kate made a point right Apple stores
1: like is Apple stores the place also no because there's stuff going on. people are trying to yeah. work there, right and like that, I know this is going to be a problem for them that people were going to be cranking that thing up. So I was in an Apple store buying mine. I went to pick it up and someone was put, playing it pretty loud and it was too loud. Like, I don't think it was at the top, but it was like you were disrupting everything in this store with this one little speaker. It, it's interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to... I don't really know what the, the the use case is, right? If you're ever going to play this at maximum volume in an environment, then the place that you're playing it in probably doesn't... like. You want more, right? Like, you're going to fill out a nightclub with this thing, right? You have, like, a PA system. Like, it's just interesting to me. It's not really, I'm not really complaining as such, because, like, it it doesn't, the fact that it gets very loud is not going to be a problem for me, because I'm never going to turn it up. I'm just kind of questioning what, the thinking was
0: to maybe they need like a mega mega mode where it's like you you, you disable mega mode and the range becomes less and you can do a little more fine control although you know you can also just tell it what volume percent
1: like when you're turning up apple headphones right like either the airpods or the earpods i don't know if this is in america or if this is just a european union thing
0: that's right there's that there's you can you can set you can cap the top of it so you don't damage your ears yeah, and, and you
1: have to, like, it gets into these colors, right? So it starts off white, then goes yellow, then goes red as you get up to the top. And you have to do this thing where to get past, I think, the yellow on the on the kind of the volume indicator, you have to press the volume twice because you're, like, engaging, like, you're, you know, everyone's turning their keys at the same time kind of situation so you can pump the volume up. And right. I, I would, basically I would like to see some some
0: options. Volume Just, limit is, is the name of the feature, and it's in iOS too, and I believe, and and it was on the iPod, and that the idea there is yes, people that actually started that's a, a, to get back to the battery thing that started as a but there were a bunch of stories about people ruining their hearing by turning their iPod up all the way, which led to yeah. the the typical response of like well whose fault is that why did they turn it up all the way and and then other people saying well Apple should make protect users from themselves and Apple was like all right here you go volume limit here it is you can set a you can set what the top volume is and it won't go above that but i agree for somewhat different reasons that actually would be a great feature on the home pod like yep. to so your friend doesn't come over and and, and uh, crank it up all the way and get you evicted yep i would really like that so that would be that would be a lovely feature and
1: and again I, I i would just assume this is one of those situations where the majority of people testing this product do not live in apartments uh, i it can be it can be my only assumption because it's, or like you know that they're, they're testing it in these chambers inside of apple right where it doesn't matter about how loud the thing goes but yeah Uh, i one of my favorite things though is what this product does when it's playing music and you ask it a question i think this is just a wonderful apple-like feature (laughs) that it doesn't just it doesn't just lower the volume it's Doing something, I mean, I don't know what the exact terms are, but like some kind of audio distortion. So it sounds like if you're at a bar or a club and there's music playing and you go into the bathroom or you go outside of the main room and you can kind of hear like a muffled version of the audio, that is what Apple is doing. So I'm going to put a link in the show notes. I, I posted a video on Twitter that tries to highlight this and I think it does a good job of showing it. I just, it, I heard it and it really made me smile. Uh, and, and I think that it's it's just a nice little touch.
0: Yeah, it, the um, I agree. I had that same note where I, I said something, and then I just heard the sort of like muffle echo effect. And again, you're right. It's an Apple touch, which is all they had to do was dip the volume. Yep. But they didn't.
1: And, and I think it's wonderful. I like that kind of stuff. That's why we buy these products, right? Mm-hmm. Um, let me ask you a question. Music isn't on the kind of audio... What do you think about trying to play other kinds of audio on the HomePod?
0: I haven't done a lot of that. I did a little bit of it. Um, you know, it's AirPlay. You get the two, what two second, three second delay. I tell you, man,
1: uh, I must not have ever used AirPlay for audio <laughs> <laughs> because I am like enraged that I will press play in overcast and I am waiting literally three seconds for the audio oh, yeah, to start. Yeah. Bluetooth yeah. doesn't do this. No right, and and yeah, I I cannot believe it. I've, I've been playing Overcast right. Oh, you know.
0: Mike's Mike discovered AirPlay. Everybody, watch yeah. out! Stand He's back. got takes from ten years ago or whatever, five years ago. But now Here I can is. see
1: why AirPlay two needs to exist <laughs> uh, uh-huh. because AirPlay kind of sucks for audio. It's like you're in right? the
0: mud. You know, you're just like in a wallowing and moving very slowly because everything is. And, and the best part is when you're like, all right, I'm done. I need to pause this now, and you press pause, and then you wait for three seconds. <laughs> And then it it for it's the like, audio to pause. I,
1: it's like, I understand when I'm sending it, right? Because it's buffering. Yeah. But why am I waiting on the other side? Like no, If, if I'm listening to the audio on the HomePod and I press pause, why do I now need to wait again? Yeah, it's very, it kind of sucks. And, I, and I'm assuming that AirPlay 2 fixes some of this and I'm looking forward to it. Um, you know what I will say for listening to podcasts? Uh, the HomePod is not very kind to John Syracusa
0: interesting what does it do what's it what's it saying about him
1: it's very mean very mean i i was listening to atp and i whatever the bass is in the home pod just doesn't really do a good job for john like i was i was cooking and i could hear marco and casey fine but with john it kind of sounded a bit muffled uh when when i was trying to listen to him so it didn't it was a bit difficult for me to hear him so john john circuits has a bassy voice and the home pod doesn't like that um Mm -hmm. What do you think about uh, the fact that, you know, you can't use other services here? Like, all you get is Apple Music, right? Like that, I mean, you can AirPlay, you can AirPlay anything to it. But, yeah. you know, uh, the Echo, you can use Spotify and Amazon have a subscription service. On the Google Home, you can use Spotify and Google have subscription services. Do you think that Apple should allow for companies like Spotify to be able to hook into this
0: product? I think uh, I could take it further and say I think that Apple needs to extend Siri and Apple needs to extend um, that both in terms of talking to apps on devices and also talking to web services. I don't think Apple needs to necessarily build, you know, build its own Spotify integration with the HomePod, but it probably needs to... I mean, it doesn't need to do anything. It can do whatever it wants. I think it would be good for Siri if it had more links to uh, apps that are on your phone that you could control remotely by voice. And that includes media. I, I And that includes podcast apps and, um, and uh, uh, other music providers. And also web services, like the skills on the mm-hmm. uh, Alexa side. I think there needs to be... I wrote a story about it on Macworld. I think there needs to be a... Um, an app store for Siri, basically, that lets people get qualified to put their you know, connect their web services and have them available as things that Siri knows about or that can be triggered. I, I think that's just the long-term health of Siri as an ecosystem unto itself. It needs more capabilities than it's got now. And we're in, we're at the stage now where if Apple doesn't add it, it isn't in there. And has to, Apple has to move past that because there are lots of things that are going to be interesting that Apple is never going to prioritize as one of the things that it's going to do. Um, that said, you know, I don't get too rageful about there not being spot. First of all, I don't use Spotify. I use Apple music, so I don't care, but it, I do use overcast and overcast knows where all my podcasts are. And while you can play podcasts now using Siri on iOS devices and on the home pod, it doesn't know, you know, it doesn't know where my overcast stuff is. It, I'm not sure if it knows where my Apple podcast stuff is. And if I'm halfway through an episode of a podcast on the podcast app, if it knows where, where to play it. It seems like it's a way simpler than that. And it's just using the directory to play a podcast, but I would benefit from that, from, from being able to let uh, demand my latest podcasts or from a playlist for overcast. And yeah, I mean, I would like it. It's I, I again, I don't think it's going to be that you're going to be able to just talk to Siri on the home pod and say, play something out of Spotify. You'll probably have to have an, even if they do this, an iPhone, an iPhone, that's on Spotify where there's been an update to Syria kit to allow it. And then you'll be playing it. It'll essentially be playing it via um, airplay over the um, network to your home pod. But the voice, adding the voice control would be a, would be a good thing, but you know, I don't know. I just, I, I think it is, a thing that if you're, if you're not on their music platform, this product is not really relevant to you, but I I have a hard time getting up in arms about it because I already feel that way. Like Sonos is the only one that plays everything like, you know, Sonos plays Apple music. Amazon tries very hard to have you either use Amazon's music service, or then they'll kick it back to Spotify. I think partially because they didn't have a good enough music service when they launched the product. Um, Yeah, but in the end, sure, yes, I would like Siri to be more useful, and that includes supporting other music services.
1: There's a lot more to talk about with Siri and the home part and we should dig into that. But first, I want to thank Squarespace for the support of this show. Use the offer code UPGRADE at checkout, and you will get 10% off your first purchase. Make your next move with Squarespace, that you easily create the website that you want for your next idea or project. With the ability to grab a unique domain name, take advantage of awesomely customizable, award-winning, beautiful templates, have it all backed up with 24-7 customer support, Squarespace are the all-in-one platform for you. There's nothing to install. There are no patches to worry about. No upgrades needed. They've got you covered. No matter what type of website you want to build, Squarespace can do it for you. If you want to make a blog, a portfolio, an online store, a site for an event, a site for uh, your business, maybe a restaurant, your band, they've got all of the tools that you need. It's all drag and drop. It's really easy to build. So many times in my life, like over the last 10 years, I have needed a website and I would not have been able to put anything online without the help of Squarespace because it works the way that my brain does and I don't need to learn how to code. I don't need to learn HTML. I don't need to learn CSS to make it work for me. So I've been very, very, very happy with that. Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month. You can sign up with a trial uh, with no credit card required just by going to squarespace.com. Then use the offer code UPGRADE when you check out to get 10% of your first purchase once you sign up for a plan. This will also show your support for this show. Our thanks to Squarespace. Make your next move. Make your next website. So I did some tests with uh, the... Siri trigger word, which we will call, as we always do, a high telephone, because I wondered what was going to happen if I had this turned on all my devices, right? Like, how good is the HomePod going to be at picking up the trigger word instead of my iPhone or my iPad or my Apple Watch? I usually have this turned off because I just don't use it. I, I mean, I I never talk to my iPhone, right? I talk to the Amazon Echo or whatever if I'm just around the house. So I turned it on on my iPad, I turned it on on my iPhone and my Apple Watch, and I would just ask questions. So I'd be sitting in the house and I'd say like, oh, hi telephone, what's the weather? And what would happen is uh, typically my iPhone and my iPad would both light up and would immediately kick off and then the HomePod would answer. So there's two things going on here. One, it's good that the HomePod does pick up the the question because if I'm asking something out into the world in my home, I want the best Speaker to give it back to me. Uh, but the other thing is, all my devices are lighting up. And if I'm, as I was, I was listening to music and I'm on my iPad and I'm doing work and then I'm asking the HomePod to change the song or whatever. And then the iPad just gets this full screen UI pop up for half a second. It's kind of frustrating, right? Like, I don't need that to be happening, right? Like, something I want. I know it's difficult, right? Like, how else are you doing it? But That was something that I was noticing and was a bit frustrating to me. The one issue that I was having consistently was my Apple Watch. So if the face of the screen is lit up on my Apple Watch, the request always went to my Apple Watch, which is not what I want. So I was finding that I would ask for some music to be played and it would be like, oh, and then my iPhone would start playing the music. So then I was like, hmm, okay, let me think about how I could fix this. Like if I noticed that my Apple Watch picks this up. So I said, oh, hey, a high telephone, can you play Churches on my HomePod? And my watch said, no, I can't do that. uh, Which was really annoying to me.
0: (laughs) Yeah, what it's supposed to be doing is um, if you have been actively using, or I think if you raise an Apple Watch or raise an iPhone, it's trying to detect what you're talking to. It's trying to intuit what you're talking to. And I think the HomePod wins unless you're actively using some other device. It's trying to let the HomePod be the one to answer those requests. And it's, they're supposed to be talking to each other and determining, like, who can feel this request. But it seems like it's a work in progress. I, I didn't do... Um, I mean, I used it with other devices around and I didn't really notice anything about it. So it was working okay for me. But, you know, that's my understanding is that Apple is trying to intuit based on the status of all of your Apple devices that are within uh, speaking distance of who should take it. And, And I found that by and large, it was
1: making the right decision, except the Apple Watch would be bumping in every now and then and trying to do what it could do. And, but the other problem I have with this is I want to jump ahead just a moment to talk a little bit about SiriKit and its issue there. Because let's say that I wanted to order a lift, right? So if I'm in the US, I, I want to pick up a lift. We don't have Lyft here, unfortunately, which is a shame because I actually really like Lyft. Uh, the iPhone can take that request because that is an intent with SiriKit. So I would say, oh, hi telephone, order me a lift." And my phone would say, okay, but if I'm at home and I'm used to doing this and I say, oh, hi, telephone, order me a lift," My HomePod will say, I can't do that. Now, that's not good, is it? Like,
0: that's not like it's, it's Siri kit, but right. Like, yeah, it it is. The HomePod is connected to your phone if you want to let it. But because uh, that's a set- setting you can turn off when it's present on the same Wi-Fi network, but not all of the SiriKit stuff is connected. And so the, the, the like ride sharing is not connected. So it doesn't work. And so I, I feel that there are things
1: that should have been done here. Either one, they should have made that work or two, yeah. they should send it back to
0: send the request to my iPhone. Why can't the HomePod do that? Right, that's that's true. Like it could it could kick that up on the iPhone, and the iPhone could start talking to you and say, "All right, well now I'm over here and I've got this thing, and I, I can I can do that." Like my HomePod should say, "Like okay, check your iPhone." Like I'm taking right. care of that for you. I need to you need to do that on your iPhone. Ch- you know go check that out, and we can we can do it over there or something. Like again, start to kick it off on the yeah. on the iPhone. Yeah, and well, the answer is it should do it. Like this is one of those things that if it, if you're going to connect to the phone, connect to the phone for all the things that you can do on the phone. There are several instances with the HomePod where there are things you can do on an iPhone when you're driving using hands-free. And I think there should be no difference. Like I know the HomePod is a separate device. It's not just a speaker, but like if, if I've got it connected, my iPhone has set it up. My iPhone is present. My iPhone is on the same network as the HomePod. I should be able to behave in my home like I behave in my car and you can't. Not only is the Siri kit stuff not there, but although Apple makes a big deal about how you can use it as a speakerphone, you have to initiate the call on, or answer the call, I believe, on the phone and then and transfer it to the home pod. Why? why? And like Rafola on the chat room has made like
1: the most baffling one for me. Calendar, you can't ask your HomePod to tell you what calendar events you have. And it's yeah. like, but, but why though? Because you can do my notes and my messages and my reminders. Well, why not my calendar?
0: I think the answer is why is the same as the answer to why is AirPlay 2 and why are stereo pairs and why is multi-room not there? Which is this is not a product where the software's done. Like, it's not done. So should they they've have decided to it release now?
1: it. Why did they do this? Like, I really can't understand that. That, like, there are there are things that they should have added, like the calendar stuff, but we don't know if they're ever going to. But we know there are software features for this device that are supposed to be here but aren't.
0: They will. They will. I think they decided that it was good enough as a music player that they wanted to get it out in the market and have people start experiencing it and that they would add features as they go. And they just decided, look, let's great artists ship real artist ship let's get it out there and we'll update it and the nice thing about it is these are all software things these are all services things i think that the home pod can be made to do an awful lot more than it does now but they're going to have to you know don't buy this product hoping that it will um, talk to your calendar because it doesn't now and you shouldn't count on that. But if if I I had to guess, I would guess that all of that stuff is happening in the background and they just wanted to ship it and they're going to ship all these other features and they're going to keep rolling them out, which is good. But again, I just had that. I never really thought of it before, but I was standing there thinking about all the different things that I could do. And I realized I considered because the HomePod is connected sort of to my iPhone, I really do put it in the in the same category as talking through a bluetooth speaker in my car. And that's the, that's my frustration is that it's not like there's a whole category of things that it just won't do. And I'm sorry, but like the phone thing, like why have the capability to have it be a speaker phone but not let you actually just make the call from the device and have it pipe the audio for why do I have to use the phone if, if you're going to make that a feature, make it a whole feature, not half a feature. It just seems so strange and and it's one of those areas where the thing seems unfinished and where it is harmed by kind of the lack of functionality that Siri has right now that Apple needs to uh, to to work on if they want this product to improve.
1: So uh, I want to talk about personal requests. So this, this, it is the part of the home pod that allows you to connect to some things that are going on on your iPhone. So messages and notes and reminders. And during the setup process, there's a warning that pops up that says, allow anyone to use this HomePod to send and read messages, add reminders, create notes and more with this iPhone when it is connected to the same Wi-Fi network. I honestly feel like this warning Mm. indicates that this isn't the way it should be. Like, the fact that this warning exists saying, like, just making sure that you know that anyone will be able to send messages or read your messages in your home when you're at home is, like, a really weird thing. Like, it's this is very, very strange. And is something that I imagine that a lot of people won't want to have turned on, even not even just from a like, oh, someone's going to super my messages, but just so you don't end up people sending random
0: messages. Like it, it's it's a very strange thing. This is, and we should say, I mean, all of these assistants struggle with this to a certain degree. Yeah, of like picking that, picking voices out. Like some of them say they do it, and but it's yeah.
1: you know it's never perfect.
0: No and and we have we live in a world where our you know our IDs are us our stuff lives in our IDs and you need a device to be able to say ideally like I know who you are you're somebody I recognize I know what user you are and I'll use your calendar and I'll tell you I mean that's that's the ultimate goal of all these assistants is that if I ask for a calendar and my wife asks for a calendar we should get different calendars right that's what how it should be. Yeah. But we're right now in this really weird in-between state. And so with a phone and HomePod, you've got this case where Apple wants to take advantage of all the richness of the stuff that it knows about you based on your relationship with your phone and what's on your phone it doesn't want to not have that especially in a product like this that as we pointed out is missing features right now missing announced features and then there are other things that are clearly lacking the last thing it wants to do is say nope like there's nothing on your phone that we can help you with you, you just it, it, it's not we're not connecting them at all but at the same time they also recognize that they can't actually lock that stuff out behind a security code or by voice recognition or anything like that so you basically have to flip a switch in the details in the controls or in the home app like you have to flip a switch that says don't or or on setup you say no I don't want to do that at which point all of that stuff is 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 sheared away and is no longer part of the functionality and it's like this is where all of these assistants are kind of right now but it's um it's frustrating and it does lead you to believe like, wow, this is a much more powerful device if you live by yourself.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and and I and it's a shame because I kind of want to be able to use all of these features and I've left it on for me. But I can totally understand why basically everyone that has this product will probably turn this feature off. And I get that. Until until it can be at a place where it really can understand different voices. And I've been thinking about this, right? Because in theory, this device can do this because my iPhone apparently can do this, right? You know, that if I say a high oh, telephone, Adina's phone's not going to go off. And every now and then it will, but not always. And I think part of the problem that Apple are having here is the Home Pod can't work like that, right? It has to be able to understand anybody's voices So it can change the music in the home. Exactly. So they're struggling with... It feels like it's a binary thing, right? It's either can do voice detection or can't do voice detection and that they're struggling to maybe implement it on a case-by-case, request-by-request basis... Right. That like you want to be able to have anybody to control audio, but not anybody to control messages. And that that is something that they may have been they may be struggling with right now is working out kind of how to separate that stuff. HomeKit. Yep. HomeKit's kit's a big part of this. Um, is it working for the stuff that you have? Are there like a lot of things that the HomePod can't control in your home or kind of how does that shake for you?
0: Well, so I've really um, tried to put everything in HomeKit um, ever since I got my light switches, especially that did HomeKit, and I, I in, installed Homebridge on my server. So I've I've uh, even got like non HomeKit things on my HomeKit network now through the Homebridge app, the command line servery thing that basically. Uh, yeah, my server. There's a there's an article at Six Colors that yep. you can link people to, but I've got it running. So it's it's talking to like the Nest and a couple of smart switches, or like a Wemo switch that aren't HomeKit related, and it basically acts as the bridge there. And um, there, I'm surprised that it's very people, cool. that, that that hasn't been turned into a product. I've heard from people who've just bought it like a forty dollar Raspberry Pi, and the only thing they put on it is HomeKit and or Homebridge. And that's all it does is just act as a HomeKit bridge for all of the older stuff you've got that doesn't support HomeKit. So anyway, because I did that, uh, because I wanted – I've I've kind of gotten used to using the home interface. I like the home control center uh, interface for turning lights on and off and stuff like that. Because I did that, it just works. You know, it's great. It like – it, it all works because I'm already there. I'm already there on the HomeKit side. So now I'm just telling the lady, you know, set the living room lights to seventy percent, and it totally does it. Just like just like it does with my Amazon Echo. It's basically like the same stuff, and it works the same, and it's fine.
1: Yeah, and I've been pretty happy that um, I don't find the HomePod to be too verbose. You know, like what I like about the Echo when I ask for the lights, is it just goes okay, and the Google Home will not stop talking you know like i i have a google home mini and i ask it say like i'll turn off the desk lights because i have lights on my desk now Stephen bought me one of those Hue strips for my birthday oh, yeah, yeah. and i put it around the edge of my desk on the back and it's awesome Aww. so i can light my desk up but the google home will be like okay turning off the desk lights and i don't want that right like i don't want right. the full sentence
0: and i found that home kit to be okay I think Siri is still a little too talkative and it's funny one of the things another thing I mentioned in that Macworld article that I wrote uh when I asked a bunch of people like what are their wish list items for Siri one of them was basically that they want the carrot weather feature for those who we've talked about carrot weather mm-hmm. on this show carrot weather by default is sort of like super snarky and makes jokes but there's a setting and you can basically dial it all the way back to just tell me what the weather is dummy i don't want oh, i don't care I see yeah yeah and and i think um i i think there might be a place for that for somebody to be like I stop with the jokes, stop with the references, keep it as minimal as possible for Siri because I know it bugs some people. But I agree, it's not super verbose, but it's more verbose than Alexa is. Yeah, it it kind of sits somewhere in
1: between the two of them, so I found it to be okay. Like, if I'd never tried the Google Home Mini, I probably would have gotten pretty annoyed by it. But I was expecting it to be just as bad as Google Home, but, but it's not. Um, I really like that the Echo just says okay, like because that's all I need to know. Yep. And it only tells me more if there's a problem. And that's, Yep. Amazon really nailed that. So let me ask you, right, talking about the Echo, do you think the HomePod is going to replace anything in your home? And you have more more of these types of products, but right? you have Sonos and stuff we're talking about, mm-hmm. right? Do you see, well, one, I guess, where are you leaving the HomePod in your home? And two, do you think it's going to replace any devices that were previously in that environment?
0: Well, I, it's too early to tell. My gut feeling is that I'm going to leave it in the living room. Or or on the bridge between the living room and the dining room, like mm-hmm, there's a couple mm-hmm. of pieces of furniture in there. Like I had it on the top of the piano, um, and I think that was actually a pretty good place for it. It's a little too high for anybody to see, like that it's been activated. Because you, you, the one of the nice things about the Echo is that it's got like the tube Echo has a ring around it, so from basically any angle you can see when it's been activated. But the little Siri light is on the very top of the HomePod, so if it's a, up too high, you can't see it um but it's a good place for it and it sounds pretty good there and if that's where it ends up i think the net result is going to be that we're going to stop playing music on the echo and we're going to start playing music on the home pod um but i i'm not going to replace the echo i have an echo show in the kitchen and the fact is i kind of like this i kind of like the screen It, it it does so little with that screen but like When you're you you get used to it, like when you're playing music, you can look and see what music is playing when you're doing timers, you can see the timers and where they are instead of having to ask when where the timers are Mm -hmm. um and that screen has maybe spoiled us a little bit um i could see with some functionality increases on the home pod i could see maybe ditching the amazon echo entirely probably not but i think what will happen is that um i may ditch the music component of the echo and just tell everybody look if you want to play music in that room play it on the home pod that's that's what it's there for because it sounds that much better um, and the reality is, even though I've got a little Sonos box attached to my big speakers set up for my home theater, I never use that because it's too complicated to turn it on and get it going when you're in that room and you can just say, hey, play this music. So um, I think that's most likely where it'll go. Um, seems like a waste in my bathroom, even though I do have a Sonos One in there and it, it I do uh, listen to music on it. Um, sometimes uh, it's not really like. It, plus, it would just it's it's too much speaker for that location anyway. <laughs> Rattle the tiles off. The it would wall. be. It would be. Yeah. There would be. There would be a lot. <laughs> what are you, what, so you? what are
1: your? I, I. Okay. For me to be able keep to to explain this, I need to give my entire summary, my okay. overall conclusion of the HomePod. All right. So okay. I think that the HomePod is kind of showing that. Apple need to do a better job of integrating their products together inside of their ecosystem. Like, they have all of the ecosystem. It's all there, right? I can access all of my stuff on all of my devices. But the devices don't talk very well to each other, right? Like, I can't tell my watch to play audio on my HomePod, right? My HomePod can't give uh, commands to my phone to continue with actions that it can't complete, right? Like, I can play music from anything on my iPhone, any app and it works with my AirPods, right? But I can't do it in the exact same way with like Siri doesn't work for some like for Spotify and overcast, but it works fine for my music and it's like the things are too disjointed and I think there needs to be some serious thought put into how these devices talk better together and a lot of that I think can be helped with Siri and that requires Apple to open up Siri kit more, much more broadly so that is a big frustration for me uh-huh. and I'm kind of annoyed at Apple right now because I don't like the HomePod for all of the reasons that I didn't think I was going to like it that it wasn't going to be able to replace a lot of the stuff that I do in the kitchen because the timer support is just not as good, right, and I'm not interested in setting alarms and stuff like that, I don't want to work around I just want multiple timers that i can name it's not it's not rocket science um i knew that i was going to have trouble getting all of the audio sources that i wanted onto this thing and that it was just going to be weird in a bunch of places and i've got all of that but the audio that comes out of this thing blows me away like i can't fathom the quality of audio that comes from a speaker of this size like it's sounding so good in my across my entire front room, in the way that it does, and I'm hearing things in music that I haven't really heard very clearly. Right, like the be- the better quality you get, the more you can get out of it, and I consider it to be incredibly impressive. And the audio's won me over. I'm going to keep it, and it's going to replace all of the audio functions that would be used with my Echo. You know, we would listen to music on it or I'd listen to a podcast on it and stuff like that when cooking or washing up and stuff like that. And now I think the HomePod's going to have all of that and because I honestly have my fingers crossed that a lot of the things that I don't like about this product can be fixed with software, but the hardware is so good. It is so good. Mm-hmm. So it won me over.
0: I feel like we have, this has been a theme the last few weeks here, which is, uh, when we were talking about the, um, Apple report card story, it was the same theme as here, which is Apple is really killing it with its hardware and it's being let down by its software and services. Um, and the HomePod, it falls right into that same category where this is a pretty remarkable piece of hardware. Um, there are things that, that, I'm sure you can criticize about it. We talked about like it's it is very loud. So there's like limited, you know. You may want to warn your neighbors that you're getting one. But uh, <laughs> it's just a, it's just a really remarkable. It, it it doesn't like setting up the Sonos to compare it. The Sonos uh, Play Five to compare it to the HomePod. To uh, the HomePod, when it moves because it's got an accelerometer, it um it knows that it's been moved. And in fact, at one point I jostled it and the sound like really changed on the speaker. And I realized that was because it went back to a flat um, setup because it got jostled. And then, and then it was, then it was going back to being, to doing its thing. And it does its training by, by using all of those microphones to kind of like measure the room as it's playing music for a couple of minutes. Um, And then it uses that. Whereas the Sonos, I have to open an app and it emits a weird tone and I have to wave my phone around up and down while I walk around my room for 45 seconds until it finally is like, all right, now I'm set up. And that's just, you know, there's an example of like Apple built this thing in. They don't want you to do any training. It'll figure it out. It it uses its microphones. It does the training itself. Um, Just great hardware. And then the software, it's like, you know, the software is the reason it didn't ship last year. Probably, almost certainly, I would say. And it's still missing features and there's still stuff that needs to get better on Siri. And in terms of like its connection with the phone and Siri Kit needs to be more. I mean, the the list goes on. But the point is, if we have to draw a line somewhere, it's not. Uh, it, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna say Apple is uh, at the top of its game still when it comes to de- designing hardware. Yep. and this product is another example.
1: Without a shadow of a doubt, I agree completely. Is that kind of your overall feeling on it? Is that like your conclusion of the the Compod as it stands right now?
0: Yeah, I think so. I I, I think it's a great piece of hardware. Um, it sounds way better than. Um, I expected compared to some of these other devices like the, the like the Play Five, um, it's that's the size is really remarkable. I think that um, keeping in mind the size of it and what it sounds like, they packed a lot in there. and And bottom line is, you know, I'm reminded of arguments about like Apple trying to make the iMac thinner, and people saying, "Who cares if it's thinner? It's just an iMac. It sits on your desk." Um, I can see how people are, w- will would say, "Who cares about the size of a speaker that you're parking somewhere?" But I can tell you, in my home, I care because I can't put the Play Five in my living room. I tried; it doesn't work. It's not in there. Can't do it. And I can put the HomePod in there, um, and that that's huge. That I can put it in my living room, and I can fill that living room in w- yeah. with a small space. That it's I in. wouldn't so that, want it to be any bigger
1: really because then it would be too dominant as a as an item in my right. room. And so I And in fact
0: I could I could probably put a second somewhere else when they do the stereo pair thing and see how that sounds. That that's kind of intriguing too. But uh yeah, so it's it's a work in progress and I think a lot of the reviews I've read uh come to this conclusion and I think I agree with it, which is this is step one for Apple. I think there will be more products with Siri embedded in them, and I think this product will get a lot better. I think it will probably get a lot better without even needing new hardware because I think a lot of the the ways it can get better are software based. And it's a start for Apple in this and it's late <laughs> and it's not all there and some of its competitors have, you know, built whole product lines while Apple is just rolling out its first product here. But you know, that's happened before with Apple and it doesn't necessarily mean that Apple is going to be doomed to being uh, third or fourth place in this category. Uh, they're in the game now, and the next step is for them to keep playing it and not, you know, the alternative is that they just release this product and it just sort of sits there and they drift away to do other things, and that would be bad. But they're in the game now, and it's a, a very encouraging sign and a, and a a fun product with a lot of limitations.
1: Yeah, like I said, you know, it is often said about Apple to the point that it's almost a meme now. You know, they, they, they show up late, but they always, like, blow everything else away. I don't think they've done that here um, because there are more. Like, it, it, you know, Apple's saying, "Oh, this is a, a speaker; it's a, it's music; it's music." But they're also trying to do the smart stuff, right? Because otherwise, why does this thing even connect to HomeKit then, right? Like, it's it's got yeah. that in it, right? But you know, this this has entered a market where there are good speakers like the google home max right like that's intended to be a good speaker but it also has a lot of the google home stuff in so they've entered this market and they've definitely done an incredible job at one portion of it but they haven't at the other so they've not blown everybody away yet they've not blown their competition out of the water that you know so this is this isn't that right they haven't come no. in and shown everyone how to do this
0: although let me tell you the google home max i got i got to I got to do uh, listen to that in a in a demo room provided by mysterious people who might be Apple. Uh, it was not a secluded grotto this time, but very similar. And um, the the Google Home Max is not good; like yeah. it does not sound good. It does I not mean, sound I've, good I've at all. I, I I think I would rather have a, a Sonos One than a Google Home Max. I mean, honestly, it's like it's not very good in in uh, my limited experience with it. I would so. like
1: to see, and I haven't really seen some reviews comparing them. Where it's not in an environment controlled by Apple, personally, right? Like I, I want to see what absolutely,
0: right? And that's and that's I don't have one, so I can't test it personally. The other ones I have here, and I can test it personally because um, Um, I'm not saying that they like
1: stuck a screwdriver into the back of it, but I'm sure they picked (laughs) music that sounded really good on the HomePod. Yeah, they they
0: did all of the standard calibration stuff, and then they picked the stuff that made the HomePod sound the best. There's no doubt about it. But that all said, compared to just the Sonos Play One, um. Uh, I thought the Google Home Max didn't sound very good at all. So, and it's okay. and it's big. Like it's not necessarily as big as a as a Sonos uh, Play Five, but it's a, it's it's big too. So, yes, it'll be interesting to see. But that's you know this is why Apple's positioning where it where it is. Apple's basically saying, look, if you want uh, something that sounds really good and is a home assistant this is the product for you. If all you want is a home assistant and you don't really care about it sounding pretty good, then it's not the product for you. And I think that is completely accurate. It, it is on one level. We have to judge it on what it is, which is an attempt to make a high end speaker with voice control, like a Sonos, except from Apple. And that's what it is. And it's pretty good at that. Um, what it's not is a sub hundred dollar Amazon echo. It's mm-hmm. totally not that. And Uh, it is, and it's a challenge because, yeah, it's way more expensive and it also sounds way better. So what do you care about? I mean, you care about the ecosystem, but you also are going to care about the price tag and the sound quality and and you're going to make your decisions accordingly. All right, let's take a break. Thank FreshBooks for
1: supporting this week's show and then we'll finish up with some hashtag ask upgrade. Our friends at FreshBooks believe that it is super important for you to make smart decisions about your business and they're right. You want to save time is one of the big ones. And you want to save hassle, you want to save frustration. This is what FreshBooks is all about. Their cloud accounting software is so easy to use. It's going to save you a bunch of time, and it's going to save you a bunch of hassle. They simplify tasks like invoicing, expense tracking, and getting paid online. FreshBooks have dramatically reduced what it takes to get this done for their over 10 million people that use their system. One of the things that I absolutely love about FreshBooks is all based around... When you send off an invoice, what happens next? So there are a couple of things that I like here. One, you can see when some... Well, one, it's really easy to build the invoice. Everything's super simple. Everything can be pre-filled, right? You can just select from drop-downs and you pull in your most frequently used line items and stuff like that. It's very easy. You build it in a WYSIWYG interface, so you're going to see it exactly how it shows up in somebody's invoice. Very very nice to, very nice to build. But once you send off the invoice, you're going to see how long... It takes for somebody to open it. You're going to see when they've opened it. You're going to see when they received it. You're going to see, even see if they printed it. So you're going to know where that invoice is over on the, the company that you're billing. And you can have late payment reminders set up automatically. So that can fire off. So you don't have to worry about that. You don't have to send anything. You don't have to chase anyone because it's all there. One of my favorite things is that when you go to each individual client, it shows you how long it takes them to typically pay you as well, which I really like. You know, every company works how it works. Let's be honest. You may say pay me an X amount of days, but companies work how they work, and sometimes it's going to be late. What I like about FreshBooks is that it will tell you what the average turnaround is, so you'll know when something is truly late based upon how you usually work with those companies. I love the notification system, so every time you log in, it will show you what's changed in your business since you last logged in and what you need to deal with immediately. If you do any kind of invoicing or expense tracking, you need to try out FreshBooks, if for any reason you haven't, now is a great time because they're offering a 30-day free trial for listeners of this show with no credit card required. All you have to do is go to freshbooks.com upgrade and enter upgrade in the how did you hear about us section when you sign up. That so is freshbooks.com upgrade to try out 30 days for free. No credit card needed. Our thanks to FreshBooks for their continued support of this show. It is time for hashtag ask upgrade. And our first question comes from Nilesh. And Nilesh wants to know, how do you both manage your personal and business email accounts? One, do you even have separate email addresses? Two, are they all in one app or in separate apps? And do you use unified inboxes? So what
0: about you, Jason? How is your email set up like that? Um, hmm. I have one. Well, everything is mine. So when I was at, at uh, IDG, I had my macworld.com mail or my IDG you know, division email account. And I separately had my personal at this point. They are the same. Okay. Um, I don't have a business email and a personal email like that. I am my own employer. So I just have one and I don't find it. I have many email addresses. (laughs) They all go to the same place. And, and honestly for me, I have no desire to separate them and do extra work. In order to check two different mailboxes, so I will do some labeling in Gmail based on what the where the message was addressed, but they all go in one Gmail account. I don't I don't want any I don't see any need to separate them and take extra effort to do that. I have like four email addresses that I've accumulated over the years: um,
1: two personal, two business. At this point, I can't. I just don't have it in me to try and consolidate them because there's so many different logins and stuff like that attached to each of them. Um, I set them all up in one application with a unified inbox. So they all look the same, but they're coming in and going out with the kind of corresponding email address to them. It is purely something that I have just built up over bad management over the years, effectively, is where I've been. So that's kind of where my situation is. Uh, Camel wants to know, what should be my first gadget purchase this year? The choices are an Apple Watch, a 10.5-inch iPad Pro, or a Nintendo Switch. To give some context, Camel has an iPhone, uh, iPhone 7 Plus, an iPad Air 2, and an iMac currently. Now, we don't really know anything about this individual. So <laughs> I, my, I would say personally, considering you already own an iPhone and an iPad and an iMac, I think you should get a Nintendo Switch because the Nintendo Switch is amazing. And I think that that is going to be pretty awesome. If it's even on your potential list of things to buy here, um, I would say sight unseen. That's what I would suggest a Nintendo Switch. Yep. Same. I agree. Because it's like, you know, you've got some good Apple products going on already. Like, you're good. Like, you've got an iPad, you've got an iMac, you've got a great iPhone. Go for a Nintendo Switch. Branch out a little bit. It's going to be awesome. Kevin wants to know, Jason, what lessons, if any, do you think that Apple has learned from the iPod Hi-Fi for the HomePod? Do you think anything's happened here? Do you think they even looked at the product and thought, let's not do that again?
0: I think the standard for what makes an Apple entry into a an accessory category is higher than it was. I mean, honestly, I think the lesson was um, when Steve gets really angry about something, um, don't let them just create a product right away. Make, make, them, make them wait. Like, I think they learned that lesson after the iPod Hi-Fi. I think Steve Jobs maybe learned that lesson at that point, too. Because that was, as I've said many times, it's hard not to look at the iPod Hi-Fi and see that was literally Apple just trying to take sales away from the Bose dock because it was wildly successful and Apple wanted that money. Um, and they made a product that was too expensive and nobody wanted to buy and they just kept buying the Bose Dock and that was the end of the iPod Hi-Fi. Um, I... So I think that's the the big lesson is now Apple still does that, right? Apple still, Apple makes cases. Like there was a time when Apple did not make iPhone cases of its own and it makes its own cases now. Mm-hmm. And I think it, what it learned was to make products. First off, it, what it learned was have a thriving retail store. You Didn't can put they your own accessories
1: introduce in. those things at the same time, like an iPhone leather case and the iPod Hi-Fi? Didn't they come at well, the same a, time? There,
0: there was an iPod leather case that uh, came out at the okay. same time as the Hi-Fi. Yeah, because it, it was a very expensive iPhone, iPhone, case, right? It was before it the was iPhone. It was like yes, yes, the yes. proto prototype, and they did learn a bunch of things. But now, like, I have an Apple iPhone case. Like, I, I and yes, it is more expensive than other cases that I can get, but it's nice. And I like it. And of course, also an Apple case is the only case you can buy that has the Apple logo on it. <laughs> Which You see all these cases with like a hole cut out so you can see the Apple logo. Oh, Apple doesn't hole. have to do that. I hate
1: the hole. It, I know. It, it kills me. But I know
0: that. why they do it because yeah. they're like, oh, people want to see the Apple logo. Yeah, you, know, you can you can put just buy an Apple case and the Apple logo is on it and Apple knows it. And that's an advantage. But I think they, they have made it work where they are making accessories for their products that are, uh, that sell well, but that people also don't have to buy and they can buy something else. I think they, I think they fine-tuned it a lot in the intervening years since the iPod Hi-Fi. So, I I think they got the message that just, uh, just sticking something out there, um, for that that was you know just a me too product i mean the ipad HiFi fi was kind of a me too product um unfortunately so i think they've learned some lessons and they and they've made it work because now they do apple branded accessories and they're successful in bringing a lot of money for apple
1: as discovered by the chat room you can still buy that 99 nine dollar lever ipod case like apple will still sell that to you like that nice, is 99
0: 99 apple leather case for ipod classic and ipod
1: can't believe I still sell that. It's incredible.
0: Fine Italian leather, <laughs> Mark, marks written in. Say, my international
1: hotspot uses a metered LTE connection. That iOS and macOS see as Wi-Fi, so background uploads and downloads occur and quickly eat up my daily uh, data allotment. Is there a way to stop background data usage when on a metered Wi-Fi connection? Yes, use Trip Mode. TripMode.ch. So, that will help you out on the Mac. Now, for the iPhone, for iOS devices, there is a setting that you can flip. Um, I don't know just how much stuff gets through if you flip it, uh, but if you go to uh, iOS settings, go to general, there is a setting called uh, background app refresh, which you can turn off, and I believe that will stop applications from being able to wake up in the background, so that might help you. But stuff like uh, photos uploading and downloading... I don't even I don't know. I don't know if you can it's stop hard, that on it's iOS. hard. You may
0: have to just you may have to Yeah. Just it's, turn it it's, off. it's that's hard. I think ideally the I think there's a way for a Wi Fi hotspot to communicate that it's a cellular hotspot using Wi Fi and that the the device can see that and then it and, and then it prioritizes it as cellular traffic instead of Wi Fi traffic. But it may not for I think I may be making that up, but I think that is possible. And it may be that this one doesn't do that. But yeah, I mean, the other thing to do is to is to start turning things off, uh, you know, other things like photo syncing, and then you're losing those features. But it's if you've got a metered connection, then you may have to do that.
1: And finally, today, L wants to know what is the ugliest, most offensive app that you have to use regularly? L says that Student View, which is a kids' school parent app is a indecipherable disaster. Uh, for me, it is my banking app. It is it, it exhibits the worst parts of cross-platform design. So no polish of any kind. Like, it doesn't look good on any platform, right? Because it's just trying to be, be the best for everything. Uh, everything feels like a web view. Like, it even throws up its own number picker. Right, it's like a like if you're entering in an amount, it gives its own keypad. It doesn't even use the iOS keypad. And one of my one of things I find the most egregious: you update the application in the App Store, you open it, and then it downloads updates from something somehow. <sighs> right? So yeah, that it is a just a disaster of design. What about you? Can you think of anything?
0: Yeah, the Logitech Harmony app. I'm gonna <laughs> say which is the Harmony yeah. remote. And not only is it not great as a remote, because if you touch the wrong thing at the wrong time, everything turns off or turns on. It's like, you know, not great. But to get to the right place to set, to change a setting, super complicated and weird. You have to go through the right sequence of things in order to do it. I think it also forces um, into um, into into portrait orientation. So if you're on an iPad, um, you you have to, rotate your ipad or oh my banking it. app does that too like so yeah, i, I can't use my
1: banking app in landscape which is horrific on a 12.9 inch ipad yeah it's not, not yeah there's I, some bad apps
0: yeah it happens and and sometimes i, I think that's the way to do it is that, that those are apps meant for consumer consumption so those are the ones that that should be singled out so i think that's that's the way to go if you want to find our
1: show notes for this week, head on over to relay.fm slash upgrade slash 180. If you want to find Jason online, he's over at sixcolors.com, theincomparable.com. He's at jsnell, jesnell, J-S-N-E-L-L on Twitter. I'm at imike, I-M-Y-K-E, and you can also find both me and Jason on a plethora of Relay FM podcasts. You can go to relay.fm slash shows to find this show and many others. We have a great selection at Relay FM that you should uh, you should consider checking out. I want to extend our thanks one more time to Squarespace, Casper, and Freshbooks for their support of this show. But most of all, I want to thank you for listening. Um, oh. If you want to send in your questions to open the show, hashtag SnellTalk. It can be about whatever you want. Uh, And then if you want to send in your technology-focused questions, which you need our help or advice on to close out the show, hashtag AskUpgrade as always. Thank you to everyone who continues to do that. Every single week I have more than I can use, and I really, really, really appreciate that because we love doing those parts of the show, and they couldn't work without your support and uh, without your involvement. So thank you for doing that. Jason Snell, until next time, say goodbye, Jason Snell. Goodbye, everybody.